It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster on Talk Radio. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Once again, we are live at the heart of democracy. We're down here on College Green uh, in Westminster. The sun is shining. Uh, it's a brand new day. We've already seen Theresa May win a vote of no confidence in the Houses of Parliament last night. Jeremy Corbyn tried to dislodge the Prime Minister of the day and he failed miserably. So here's my message for him this morning. Jeremy Corbyn, you are now standing accused of failing in your mission to get rid of the most useless Tory government that has ever run this country. You also stand accused by your own MPs of failing to commit yourself to a second referendum. You also stand accused by everybody involved in the Brexit scenario of failing to uh, fulfil your ambitions and to, and to take part in actually making this system work. You've been asked by Theresa May to join her in some negotiations to try and find a way through the miasma and the nightmare scenario of Brexit not working. You have failed to do so. You are claiming that you will not speak to her until such time as she rules out a no-deal Brexit. Well, Mr Corbyn, you are in the wrong. And if you're a Labour Party supporter right now, you must be very angry with Mr Jeremy Corbyn. 0344 499 1000. We want to hear from all of you out there, not just Tories, not just Labour voters, but everybody who can see that Jeremy Corbyn is never going to be the answer for Labour. He's never going to be the answer for this country. And it's time he resigned himself. You're listening to me, Mike Graham. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. And this is Talk Radio. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. So I'm now delighted to say that I'm joined by Colonel Bob Stewart, a Tory MP, of course, looking resplendent in a very large overcoat and a very nice hat by the looks of it, Bob, as well. And some very good gloves. Yeah. Now, obviously, you can see that I'm a veteran of this Talk Radio tent because I'm sitting here merely in a jacket and a, and a jumper. But I'll be putting my coat on later on. Uh, as the temperature drops further. Now, this has been quite a tumultuous week in Parliament. It's been a fantastic thing to be able to witness from, from this side of the road. Um, what's it been like uh, for you guys in Parliament? Has it been as historic, um, I suppose, as we're seeing it? Tedious, actually. Tedious? Because, uh, cheap because it <laughs> just goes on and mm. flipping on. 
And, um, you know, speaking to someone, I just want the whole thing over. So does sorted. everybody else, I think. At this yeah, point. I mean, I, so it's, it, it's actually pretty tedious. And it, it's rather sad because it's, it's destroying. There is a lot of vitriol out there, too, which really upsets me. Um, I've seen enough vitriol in my life for real. Well, you have, you know, yeah. But, but the fact of the matter is um, people should actually debate and discuss and accept other people's points of view. Yeah, but that's where the problem seems to be lying at the moment because here we have, I mean, I'm talking this morning about Jeremy Corbyn where the focus seems to be to an extent because basically uh, here's a guy who's refusing currently to converse with the Prime Minister on the basis that she will not give him the guarantee uh, of a no-deal Brexit. And it's almost like a sort of blackmailing position that a trade unionist might bring to the party uh, before they start talking about giving up on a strike. And until they are able to sit down around a table, as you say, you've seen some proper conflict and some real hatred turning into violence and death and everything else. We're seeing, you know, political... Um, uh, knives being sharpened, we're seeing people falling out with one another over over things which they should be able to at least find a common ground on, shouldn't they? Yeah, well, uh, I, the way we'd, we're just slipping into... I don't want to leave the European Union without a, a deal. I don't want that. I want a good deal that works for everyone, works for us and works for them. But the fact of the matter is both sides seem to have red lines. Um, uh, if if we do get to the 29th of March without without a deal, we we ha we leave without a deal. Now, you know, worse things have happened to this country. Sure. We'll survive. And for goodness sake, I mean, Dover saying no problem, Calais saying no problem, the Northern Ireland uh, border. I worked in the Northern Ireland border for two years. I I ran a hard border in Northern Ireland. I have had experience of that it's perfectly workable yes the whole thing mike is perfectly workable as long as there's goodwill the northern uh, the irish republic doesn't want a hard border uh, northern ireland doesn't want a hard border the european union say they don't want a hard border the european union says it, it doesn't want to go into the you know the the stop, whatever the backstop, it is, yeah. backstop. Um, the well, this is the thing they're arguing well, about. Well, well, why, we, why don't we just get on with it and yeah. say, okay, fine, no backstop. If there was no backstop, I mean, a heck of a lot of people would come together. Yes, of course. And, of course, they're arguing about having a backstop, <coughs> despite the fact that they then, in the same time, say they're never going to use it. So they're asking for something in, to be put in. It's like asking for something to be put into your contract that you're never, ever going to use. So to, to, to make the contract unworkable on the basis of that is complete madness to me. It's lunacy almost, isn't it? Look at the speed of people trying to sort of lobby yeah. in the last few week. I mm. mean, me alone, you know, the amount of lobbying I've had to, to, to support the government's mm. position on this. It's huge. If we put that amount of effort, Mike, into uh, negotiating mm. from the start two years yeah. ago, we wouldn't, I don't think, be in this position. So I think the government, in fairness, is at fault for not actually doing yes. proper, proper negotiation. I speak as a, a loyal Tory. We have made a mistake in actually not going in hard line to start with. Yeah. Instead, con providing concessions when they've given us nothing. They have given us nothing. Really, they've given us nothing to, that will satisfy the likes of me. So I really do think it's now time to talk Turkey. And I think by actually the perversely, Mike, the huge loss that the Prime Minister suffered two nights ago, yeah. the huge defeat. Seems a long time ago now, Yeah, it, it does. But here's <laughs> the point. I mean, in a way, that strengthens her arm. Yeah. I, 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 let me explain that. She now go, can go back to Europe, go back to Brussels and say... Look, no, this deal that I thought 
we might be able to get through. Mm. Hasn't got through. I made a mistake. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe it's wrong. I mean, I wish a few more people would say in politics, I've made a mistake. Mm. Goodness me, we all make mistakes. And uh, the public actually accept that um, mistake. So we've got to actually get it right. I hope very much that we leave the European Union on the 29th of March. That's my expectation. But I hope very much we have a deal. Mm. But if we don't have a deal, for goodness sake, this is the United Kingdom. Everyone wants to come and live here. Yeah, of course. We've got great people. Everyone wants to sell stuff to us as well, by the way. Everyone wants to come here. Everyone wants to stay here. Um, We have great people. We are extremely versatile. Uh, We have good business. Look, businesses are coming to the UK. Mm. Despite the word Brexit, if you listen to um, Michael Gove's speech last night, I mean, it was what a, a tremendous hunting. speech. It was what great. Incredible. We played a little what bit a, of it out this morning. Yeah, what a, what a what a great advert for this country mm. on, when it, on the sex. I'm not going to be political about the attack on Mr. Corbyn. That was a bit what I liked, actually. Yeah, yeah, I, I rather <laughs> liked it too. But let's let let me try and be objective because I'm trying to be trying to be sensible sure. here. The, the fact of the matter is, his section where he talks about what's happening in business, mm. it's working. Yeah. It, we are actually... Um, the reason, look, let's be quite clear, why the European Union wants us, one, it wants us to be part for obvious reasons, you know, large scale, but the real reason it wants us, we are a successful economy, mm. Mike. We they don't have contra- too many of them in the they 27, don't have, do they? And we, we pay a lot, and if we're not there, the Germans and the Dutch will be paying a lot more. Mm. Um, the French want us there. The French want us there because actually they don't pay very much if they pay anything. We pay quite a lot. The French have announced this morning, as we speak, actually, their Prime Minister Edouard Philippe saying they're going to spend 50 million euros uh, in French ports and airports over the course of uh, the next few weeks in order to bolster uh, whatever may happen come uh, a no-deal Brexit. Now, again, you can take that one of two ways. You can either say, well, uh, that means that they're worried about a no-deal Brexit or, in fact, they're investing in the fact that there will be a, 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 a situation where we leave the European Union but they want things to carry on as normal. And that's precisely what we would expect them to do. So does the director of the port at Calais. Yeah. So do we've just heard from Dover this morning that actually the, they don't intend to st- stop people going through. I mean, the Northern Ireland border, no one wants it. Right, there's going to be a bit of chaos to start with. Um, you know, people won't quite know yeah. what's going on. But you know what happens in this country? Very quickly... People adapt and sort it out. Of course. I mean, let's say. I we mean, we really don't live in a perfect world. I was joking yeah. with somebody this morning. I'm getting a new yeah. washing machine delivered on uh, uh, yeah. tomorrow, right? I'd said to them, I won't be there in the morning. Please come between two yeah. and six. So they booked it to come between seven and nine in the morning. These yeah. things happen. Yeah. You know, you get around it. You don't suddenly walk away and say, right, I don't want the washing machine now. Take it away. Never darken my door again. You figure it out. I think it, that's it. We're going to figure. You know, if you look at history, Mike, of this country, um, you, we always screw up things. Uh, to start with, we screw up things, <laughs> don't we? I mean, we make get it wrong. We make yeah. the wrong decision. And then we muddle through, and we sort of kind of muddle through, and in the end, we get something that works. And honestly, that, I think, will happen here. Look, I am fully expecting, I hope, this is my earnest hope, that the European Union say, oh, for goodness sake, we really want to be yeah. good friends. We want to. Be. Let's actually just take the stop, the the... the backstop out mm. let's actually say we work to work to two years let's agree to that and in you know at the end of the transitionary period if we've really got a problem let's sort it then mm. but but I actually stop it that will shut up yeah. the parliament parliament will will accept accept that it will be in accordance with the will of the people i mean this talk of a second referendum i mean 
One, we haven't got time. Right. Two, um, so what? We have another referendum and we get a similar result. Could be the other way around, could be... Well, and then... It solves nothing, does it? You know, nothing solved. Talk of a general election. What's that going to actually right. solve? Right. What we require now, to be honest, is for sense to prevail in that place that's behind us mm. here. Um, I'm prepared to give a little, you know. Uh, I'm not a hard liner in any way. What I want is the very best for this country. Sure. And it's nothing to do... That is more important than... Conserved, the Conservative Party. Do you fear, though, that there are some people in that place behind us who actually, because they are so wedded to the idea of the European project, they don't really want us to ever leave the European Union, and they are doing their damnedest to ensure that it doesn't happen? A heck of a lot of people, yeah. actually. Yeah. I mean, a heck of a lot of people feel like that. I mean, I personally um, say, yeah, we, we want to stay friends with Europe. Let's have a, an association. But frankly, they, they've, um, am I allowed to say, teared the back, torn the backside yes, out are. of our relationship? Very much so. um, yes. For, you know, since we've been there, we paid a heck of a lot of money. They want us to pay 39 billion. Mm. I'd like to know, I know, except there'll be some residual stuff like pensions or something mm. we've got to pay. But for what? Have you seen the city that's grown up in yeah, Brussels? Yeah. Yeah. A massive city, which we paid for because exactly. we're a net, but, you know, we produce money for the European Union. They don't want us to go. We've also paid for an awful lot of very, very good roads in Spain, uh, in Ireland. We don't get the money to fix our own yeah. roads because we don't qualify, apparently, for the money that we give them uh, in order to fix roads, which is rather ironic, I think. We pay the European Union, and this is my own calculation, so people can argue that, me having gone to the Office of Budget Responsibility, we pay the European Union, when all things considered, when they've sent money back to us, and when we've taken the Thatcher mm. rebate out, about nine billion a year. Right. Well, nine billion a year, Mike, that is what we actually give them. Now, that is spent by them. And by the way, the stuff that they send back to us, you know, people say, well, I, in my constituency, roads have been built by the yeah. European Union. No, they flipping well haven't. They've been built by us because we gave the money to the exactly. European Union Which and they could, sent it back to we us. Could so we could just cut out the middleman, couldn't we? Uh, but, but, you know, about nine billion a year. Now, if the public were to divide nine, well, I try, I'm not very good at maths, divide nine billion by 52, yeah. and you get 175 million pounds a week, which is about a hospital. Yes. So we're giving 52 hospitals a week, and yeah. I, I know you've got to get rid of me now, because I've got to go on, so I, I'm going to end it, because the bloke's doing a funny thing with his finger, yeah. which means get, get him off the course, set. Yeah, this is, not you, my, you, this is not my way, of course, because I would have you here, because I'd like to ask you actually about the, uh, and I'm going to do it now, just yeah. to annoy him. Uh, I'm going to ask you about the uh, the defence situation, which is your area of expertise, obviously, yeah. coming as you do from, from the armed forces. Um, are you have, do you have any concerns whatsoever about us leaving the European Union in terms of defence, in terms of um, uh, you know, anti-terror strategy and all of that? No. And I'll tell you why not, because actually the Five Eyes Agreement, where we get classified information from five countries, Canada, US, Australia, New Zealand, and we share it, that information won't be passed on to anyone in Europe, or and that will be fine. And we are a member of NATO, and mm. we are a, the major partner in NATO I, in Europe, and any talk of a European army, for goodness sake, they don't pay enough for NATO now. Where's the heck the European yeah. army going to come from? Because actually, NATO's worked. I've been a member of it. I've be, done two tours in NATO, and as well as that being a soldier in Germany. I just think anyone that thinks that we're going to give away secrets that the Americans, the, the Canadians, the Australians, or the New Zealanders have given us 
is barking mad. We won't. That is not going to happen. Brilliant stuff. Colonel Bob Stewart, thank you very much indeed. This is Talk Radio. I'm Mike Graham. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's talk to Stephanie Lloyd, though. She's from Progress, um, a Labour Party, um, shall we say, centrist-supporting organisation. Would that be fair? Yeah, centre-left, yeah. Centre-left, OK. Um, so, I mean, what do you make of my plan? Uh, I think getting rid of Corbyn would strengthen the whole country in a way because you'd get a leader uh, who, one, was willing to work with the Prime Minister on Brexit and make that happen, first of all, but also, two, who would further challenge her. I mean, this is a guy who is up against Theresa May, a very unpopular Prime Minister. He tries to get a vote in her confidence, going, can't even win that. You know, and now he's just sort of being very petulant and not taking part in the process. You know, it's not going anywhere. Well, I mean, let's kind of go back to some of the point of this. It is unlikely that he was, it was very unlikely he was ever going to win a vote of no confidence because Conservative members of Parliament weren't going to vote right. for a general election after they so abysmally failed at the last one. Yeah. Uh, I think if they thought that they could have uh, a, a huge sweeping majority, then they might be more keen for it. But they know that the country are utterly fed up with them as well mm. as they are with everybody else. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I am no fan of Jeremy Corbyn. Right? I, I can't can't say I've ever worn the t-shirt or done the chant but you know he is also the the leader of the of the opposition but what he needs to do now is show leadership I think it is 
it's it's almost kind of a wasted conversation of should it be Jeremy, should it not, in the sense that it is and it will be. So that question is kind of off the table in that sense, and the membership aren't going to change their and minds on that. And is that because he's so popular soon. within the membership because he's given the membership the strength to keep him there? In other words, well, no, I mean, you know, he is popular amongst the membership. There is no denying that he inspired a swathe of people to join the Labour Party, and they are very supportive of him. Um, but what he needs to do now is show an unbelievable amount of leadership over Brexit. He needs to, you know, he's he has sat on the fence, uh, and it's not, an, you know, this is not an easy proposition for the Labour Party. You know, there is, you know, both some of the most Remain seats and some of the strongest mm. Leave seats are very much Labour seats in yeah. their heartlands in that sense. So this isn't an easy situation for anybody to get into. But, I mean, we've been calling on uh, the Labour front bench and Jeremy to... Uh, come out and back a second referendum. Well, all uh, MP, we a lot of his MPs be... are now trying to get him to do that, and he's still pretty much pushing it into the uh, into the distance. Well, exactly, but this is the point now. There is the itch contra point now. It's not like the last general election where he, you know, could convince people that he was both leave and remain in that sense and kind of keep that coalition together. Mm. But also, we know that when it comes to general elections, people don't really vote about. Brexit. They'll vote about all of the other swathes of issues that they are bothered about. And you would expect them to be more loyal to their party, perhaps, and their tribe politically. However, I mean, this may change everything. I mean, Brexit could change an awful lot of those expectations in an election, couldn't it? It could. It absolutely could. But I think this is why, rather than it being a general election, and, you know, we wanted a general election, we want a Labour government in that sense, and we supported uh, Jeremy in terms of, uh, of the no-confidence vote, uh, but now we're at a stage where that has that has fallen. It is very clear that we are not going to get a general election from that current parliament. Mm. Um, 150 million pounds or so the, for each DUP vote. She's done very well on that one. Uh, it seems to be the only deal she can do. Uh -huh. But you know what we now need to do is we need a Labour Party that's going to actually give an alternative in terms of what their vision for. So it's not just that they should come out and have a referendum. It can't just be about process. It has to be about what are they going to stand for in that yeah. referendum. And for us, we think that they need to lead the call and make the arguments of the country that it needs to be that we should stay within the European Union. And if they lose, they lose. That's democracy. That's the world that we operate in. But they need to be showing the leadership that all of the issues that we talk about and, you know, the caller just before spoke about, about how we need more police, more money in the NHS, more money... Um, for our schools and our hospitals, none of that is caused by the European Union. None mm. of the problems that we have in this country are because of the European Union. They are because of decisions that were made in the building that we're sat in front of. And it needs to be on Westminster to stand up and take responsibility for that, to, to be honest about the fact it is their failings that have led to the failings of this country and start to provide a level of alternative vision. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of people would disagree with some of what you've said there about what the European Union has stood for over the years and what the European Union, through Westminster, uh, has achieved and what the European Union has imposed, if you like, on us in terms of freedom of movement, in terms of some of the things that have affected many of those people in parts of uh, Labour constituencies who did vote to leave because they felt uh, that they had been given a short uh, and a bad deal, if you like, on immigration and on and on uh, low-paid uh, workers and all that kind of thing. Now, you can argue till the cows come home, and as people do, yep. whether that's true or not true, but what I'm talking about is people's perceptions and the way that they have been you know, voting in terms of, you know, leave and remain. And I just think that what needs to happen now, because it's very clear what needs to happen now, really, we need to find some kind of a deal. Um, Theresa May appears to be willing to try and find a way through the impasse. She's invited Jeremy Corbyn into Downing Street, and he's refusing to go, well, she's which can't also be right. She's also invited him in on the precondition that she's not going to really change her mind on anything. Well, so that's not true. She said that she won't guarantee him that there will not be a no-deal Brexit, which she, which she already said in Parliament yesterday anyway. But she's also come out and said that her red lines are still her red lines. Yeah, but that's, so but, but that's what she's saying in 
public, right? That's not necessarily what she's going to say to him in private in a room in Downing Street. And that's what he needs to get involved in, surely. Well, I agree. You know, there has to be those negotiations and those conversations. But she's also the prime minister of this country. And she is the one, beyond anybody else, who has utterly failed at this task. Mm. Listen, you task won't get any argument from me about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is it. You know, she has This is why I want a better opposition, because I want the opposition to be pressing her more rather than just turning their back and going, no, 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 we're not going to talk to you. Well, this is what I mean. They need to show real leadership now. Now is the time that history will, you know, history and the country will judge every single person sat in Parliament mm. at this moment because they cannot continue to lead us towards a situation where no deal is the only option on the table. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I, and I think that is the point where it, she cannot, as a prime minister, go, I am happy to put untold damage on this country just because people will not agree with me. That yes. is not leadership. It's not admirable anymore. It's not resilience. No. It's stubborn and it's dangerous for this I country. I think the resilience argument ran out a long time ago. I yep. can't, can't stand the fact that people keep telling me how resilient she is. I'm sick to death of hearing it. resilience fact, and then there's delusion. Well, and Exactly. exactly. I mean, we're resilient sitting here in this cold tent. That's what real resilience is. You know, lower temperatures than the British Army operate under, for heaven's sake. Uh, 0344-499-1000. Stephanie, thank you very much indeed. Stephanie Lloyd uh, from Progress there. And let's see if we can make some progress during now and one o'clock. Let's talk to Martin, uh, who's in Fairham. Hello, Martin. Oh, sorry, Martin's not there. Oh, he is there. Hello, I'm Martin. Hello, Hello, Martin. I've got, I've got three perspectives because I've got three citizenships. So I'm Polish. Okay. I'm Australian and I'm British, right. and on top of that, um, my Blimey. ex-wife is Indian, and my my daughters are kind of half Indian, half Polish. Well, Australian you must be the for the world. You must be for the World Trade Organization rules. Though, <laughs> well, yeah, I just want to give three perspectives because okay. I mean, I've I've been living here for for 15 years, and I'm moving back because Britain's a mess. I'm getting poorer, and it's it's moving just, back where to Poland. Um, no, I'm moving moving back to Australia. Okay. Yeah. So my my perspective from a Polish as, with my Polish passport is that there's far too many Eastern Europeans in Britain on, on minimum wage. You know, if you're, if you're working at £8 an hour, you're not paying a lot of tax. Yeah. And, um, and you, you're, you're just a drain on resources in terms of, in terms of um, income. You know, the average salary in Poland, I was in Poland visiting um, cousins a few months back, average salary there is £20 a day. Right. Now, British people don't know this. Um, as, as an Australian, you know, with my Australian passport... UK is a joke. You know, UK once ran a third of the country, you know, a third of the planet, sorry, with, with the British Empire. And now yeah. you guys can't even run your own country. You know, yeah, that's very true. MP- it's a joke. You know, <laughs> it's like Australians it's would not tolerate. Truth. Australians wouldn't tolerate Indonesia voting on its laws. Americans wouldn't tolerate Canadians voting on its laws because right. people are used to democracy. And if you've lived in a country where you had your freedom... And, 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 you know, you, you don't want to lose it, which is probably why the older people voted for Remain, because they remember what it's like to have your own country. And when I go back to Australia, yeah. I'm going to have my own country. And but I, I guess, like I mean, war, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, but, for example, on your analogy about America and Canada, America and Canada weren't really at war. And the reason for the formation of the European Union was supposedly to prevent there being another war in Europe. I'm not sure that that's a good enough reason, to be honest. I'm sure that we could have continued to not have war because we did so from 1945 to 1973 before the EC, uh, EEC was ever thought of. But you're absolutely right. Um, what, what would you say uh, is the main driver of you leaving, though? Is it because you just don't like living here or you just well, don't think it's being run well? It's everything. I'm poorer. You know, I go back to Australia and salaries are at least 50% more. My, you know, I've got a partner that works in a care home. Carers there earn £8 an hour. In Australia, they earn £15 an hour. Right. And, and there's less people. I, I live in a housing estate up in, um, in Farnham. I've got neighbours 
um, you know, three-bedroom house, quite small, and there's eight Polish people living there. And what's, you know, I've got a friend that lives in Brighton. You know, what, how does having all the, you know, and, and having, having gone to India, you know, UK has an open border with half a billion people. And anyone that's been to India knows what it's like to have, to have too many poor people. And, and the other thing about the UK is that you can't talk about this because the whole BBC, you know, political correctness, you get arrested just for speaking the truth. Well, you're talking about it now on Talk Radio, so you better watch the doors to see if anybody's out there trying to come in and lift you and take you to the nearest police station. But I'll tell you what, there's another good reason for you to go to Australia. The weather's better as well. And it's just there's, there's less people, and, and people don't appreciate, they don't understand how hard it is, you know, what countries do to protect their borders. My partner yeah. had to go through quite an extensive, um, you know, visa application process. Australia also had a problem with people migrating. Um, I mean, we all, we all want better lives, you know. Everybody works hard to better their, their family, but we've got a responsibility to look after ourselves. You know, everybody has a door in their house that they, that they close, and they choose who who they let in and who they let out. And British people can't go live in Australia if they want to, because Australia no. may not want them. So it's normal for countries to, to want to look after themselves, like it's normal for people to want to look after themselves. And also sometimes you have to do things that you don't like. You know, I went to the dentist a while back and I got my, poof, I got my tooth pulled out. I'm sure the dentist didn't like me, you know, hurting. And, and I'm sure dentists... Are you, gonna pay, are you gonna pay us back for that before you go to Australia? And we're gonna pay you back. Yeah, pay us back for the tooth being pulled because you've got it free on the NHS, didn't you? <laughs> no, it's not free. I paid for it. I've been working. Oh, okay. Here, um, Fair my enough. Taxes. Well done, um, Martin. Listen, that's a great call. Fascinating stuff. And have a good life in Australia. And maybe listen to us online there and call us from time to time. Uh, we can Skype you. It'd be no problem at all. Martin there with some very sensible and interesting opinions. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction, and expert analysis. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We're live on College Green once again down in Westminster. I'm joined uh, by two very distinguished political commentators now. Uh, Gitu Harry's here, uh, former BBC uh, political meister, uh, former advisor to uh, Boris Johnson uh, in the days when he was the mayor of, uh, of uh, London town, and Alistair Campbell, uh, Tony Blair's uh, former spin doctor, of course. Uh, we haven't got a great deal of time here, guys, so I'm going to ask you to stay with us for a bit, because we've got a lot to talk about. I can tell you uh, that Colonel Bob Stewart was in here earlier on this morning and told us that uh, under British Army rules of engagement, we would not be allowed to operate in a tent that's this cold. He actually said that they would increase the uh, temperature before they even started a battle <laughs> from somewhere like this. So so I appreciate you sitting here. Um, I presume that both of you will be coming at me today with the idea that uh, uh, the people's vote is the only way out of this particular logjam that we're in. Alistair? Uh, I think you're right about that. I mean, I certainly will. Uh, and I've thought for some time that all of the options that presumably Theresa May is kind of pretending to discuss with people at the moment, they're not going to command a, a majority in Parliament. Mm. I think the Norway option... Uh, would split the, part, the, the Tory party. And I think the, one, the, the thing you have to understand about Theresa May, she does the sort of vicar's daughter, the duty and the resilience and all that stuff very, very well. She's utterly motivated by not being the person on whose watch the Tory party splits. I think that is a really big thing for her. Mm. So then you've got the kind of hard... But this is presumably why she's saying, come into the tent and talk to us, but I'm not going to change my mind about anything. But that's what makes it so ridiculous. that, that you know She should have done this two years ago. 
She should have actually thought, you know, one of the many mistakes she made right at the start of this process when she became Prime Minister, she didn't reach out to anybody beyond... She said it's all about the 52%. She's still got this measure. We have to deliver it. There's no other way around this. But ultimately, this idea that it's anti-democratic to put this back to the people and say... Do you still want to go ahead based on what you know? I think it's a nonsense. Yeah, I don't think it's so much anti-democratic as it is... But that's un- the argument against it. Yeah, I know. Well it's, well, it's one of them. But it's anti-democratic to ignore the first vote, isn't it? But isn't that the e- point? No, but you're not ignoring the vote. The, 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 idea, the, the MPs have now looked at... This is their job. They've looked at the deal. This is the Brexit the government's putting forward. They've looked at it and they've said it just does not work. And for all sorts of reasons, it's not just about the backstop, it's about trade, it's about security, there's all these other issues that people have got different reasons to say this is a bad deal. And I think what the negotiations have shown is there's no good deal, there's certainly no deal better than the one that we've got, and on that basis, I cannot for the life of me understand why it's not the democratic thing to do to put it back, because it's so different to what was promised by Gitto's old mate Boris and the rest of them back in 2016. <laughs> he was bound to get that dig in, Gitto. Um, uh, your p- p- perspective on, on the second vote has had a bit of a boost this morning, hasn't yeah, it? Because I, there's a new organisation out there. I just say I wasn't working for him when he came out for Brexit. I uh, wasn't working for Boris when he came out for Brexit. But um, I, I just think, how else do you break the logjam? As Alistair says, you know, Theresa May has given it her best shot. Nobody can accuse her of not trying uh, with this masochistic taking on board of a huge amount of personal pain to get this deal over the line. It's just not working. So at what point do we try something else? And since Parliament can't agree anything else, I can't see any other option. It happens to be probably the right option, but I can't see any other option. Well, there is other another option, isn't there? The other option people. is to not do anything at all, which is what some people think we should do now, and just wait until March the 29th and, and, and but, get out on WTO rules. But that's not what people rules. voted for, is it? And what's well, we don't know what people voted for, really. I don't think anybody... But they didn't vote for that. To... If you talk to any of, not just Boris Johnson, but Farage and Rees-Mogg and all of them, none of them said... They, in fact, they all said the contrary. Oh, they, they, we'll get a deal. Liam Fox, easiest trade deal in human history. Uh, Boris Johnson, no, Owen Patterson, only somebody who was insane would want to leave the single market. So this idea that back in 2016 people were voting for the chaos that would ensue, I just don't think that's true at all. Well, I'm not sure it's true or not. My point is is that we can't really say with any great certainty what people voted for and why. But, that's the, but, but next time we have another referendum, mm. at least people will know more about yeah, what Yeah, you could have means. a specific Well, they know more now because people have told them more stuff, phase. but it doesn't mean that they've actually got more knowledge. All they've got is the idea that people like you have told them is going to be a terrible idea they've been if able they to do. See. They've been able to see what's There's going nothing on. to see. The only thing that's the logjam has been caused by our colleagues behind us in the Palace of Westminster who seem incapable of coming to an agreement. Some people believe largely because they don't want to come to no, an agreement. No, I don't think that's true. I actually think this idea that the, the kind of establishment, the civil service have plotted against it, the MPs, I just, I think on the contrary, I think the MPs have tried desperately hard to make it work. I think the civil service has tried to make it work. Really? And you know what's interesting this morning well, I think is we should get a whole bunch of new MPs who can do the job then, because at the end of the day, if, they, if this is them trying to make something work, then we're all in trouble, aren't we? Well, in which case you're supporting Jeremy Corbyn's call for a general election. Well, I'm quite happy to have a general election, I'd, but the only reason I would want a general election is to have two parties that were not asking for the same thing. I'd like to have a Labour Party that's a proper, led by a proper individual who can actually say, we want to remain in the European Union, and a Tory party led by yeah, somebody who got, will say, right. we want to get out. Let's have a proper election, but let's have two choices. <laughs> but because you don't have that, there's no a general election would not result 
resolve this big issue. That's why it has to be isolated as an issue and go to referendum. What's interesting in the polling that was released today at the launch of new Conservative grouping called Right to Vote, the polling suggests that even in the seats of Theresa May, Boris Johnson, Dominic Raab, uh, David Davis, virtually every single Conservative held seat in the land, a majority would like a second vote. A lot of them, so they can say, a bit of lead in your pencil, boys and girls, we need a hard Brexit, no doubt. But even they would like to re-energise uh, Brexit at this point, and it does give other people the chance to... That sounds like a Boris Johnson slogan, you, you, you can't... You, we, you, we can all say... I'd like this sort of Labour Party and this sort of Tory Party, but we have the Labour Party we have, we have the Labour yes. leader we have, we have the Tory Party we have, the Tory Prime yes. Minister we have. Well, let's take that uh, analogy and, 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 and lump it onto the Brexit plan as well, because you can't get the Brexit that you want either. You get the Brexit that you've, that you've got, that you're looking at, or you've got no uh, deal, basically. Or, That's what you're talking about. Or, as Theresa May and others have said, or you have no Brexit. And she keeps saying that as a threat to the people. I have to tell you, I think increasingly people are thinking, do you know what, I wouldn't mind that. OK, well, let's talk to Ross Capsule, who's our political editor, sitting here anxiously trying to get me to get some of uh, Jeremy Corbyn's speech on. Unfortunately, we seem to have missed it. He seems to have finished, but never mind. <laughs> uh, Ross, tell us what he was saying. Yeah, two uh, completely expected top lines from that speech. The, the first was that Jeremy Corbyn is saying he will keep all options on the table, so that includes, uh, as the Labour conference motion says, uh, an attempt at a second referendum, uh, not ruling that out, uh, which will be good news uh, for our studio guests right now, but also uh, repeating that he intends to put down further motions of no confidence in the government so that is a if you like semi-contradictory statement to the one which came previously which is i will continue to try to force a general election as the primary route through so that's not any change in labor policy they're really i'm looking through the text of the speech now actually uh, it really wasn't particularly uh, revelatory it, it is mr corbyn sticking to the line that he's been sticking to for a while of course there's been controversy in the last 24 hours that he won't go in and sit down with uh, Theresa may he continued to stick to that line because she will not take no deal off the table uh, and all of this this discussion that we're having right now really comes down in the next 72 hours to what is in the government's amendable motion when it goes down on Monday. Uh, there will be lots of different ideas to be played for and kicked around by Tory backbenchers uh, and everybody else, Labour backbenchers as well. But the reality is what comes down in that motion and right now can't see it being a permanent customs union, can't see it being taking no deal off the table right now. So actually what will change in the next 72 hours? Very, very difficult to see anything changing at this stage. Maybe when we get further towards March, but not now. All right. But what we learned earlier from you, Ross, um, and I'd like both of you guys to tell me what you think of this, is uh, Theresa May comes back on Monday. Uh, she makes some kind of statement about a new idea that she may have. There's a vote then taking place on the 29th of January uh, on that, which I presume, unless there's a massive change around between now and Monday, isn't going to be particularly revelatory, is it? I don't think so. And, you know, we're... I mean, how many Groundhog Days do we have to have? It's, you know, <laughs> a lot that, more of you. Groundhog weeks, and and I and I do think about um, you know about Jeremy Corbyn's position is is that I think at a moment when the country does sort of feel we're in a bit of a crisis, and is looking to all leaders to show leadership, I do think he he should actually take the opportunity to go and tell her what he really thinks and to take that at face value. Now, I'm very suspicious of what she's up to. I think it's all part of her kind of buying time uh, game playing. But I think that the fact that Ian Blackford of the SNP and Caroline Lucas and Vince Cable, they've all been able to go and look her in the eyeballs behind closed doors and say, listen, you can't do this, you can't do that, and you know it. And what's more, you do have to take no deal off the table, and you know it. And you do have to think about the possibility of a second referendum as a last resort, and you know it. But hang on, can, that... she take, can she take no deal off the table? Isn't that the legal position that we currently find ourselves in? 
Yeah, in, in which, and she, as the government, as the leader of the government, would be able to say, we would find mm. ways of taking that off the table. So she's used it as a threat in the negotiations, both with the European Union and with her own MPs. It hasn't worked. Mm. How many times does she have to be told? Well, this is the crazy thing. I mean, both she and Jeremy Corbyn have one thing in common. He seems to think if he keeps asking for a vote of no confidence, that one day he'll win it. She seems to keep thinking that if she keeps saying the same thing over and over again, one day everyone will just go, oh, just go and do it then. That's the really frustrating thing. Jeremy Corbyn, you know, had a crack at a motion of no confidence yeah. last night. It didn't work. Right. So most people would wake up today and say, right, let's forget that option. Right. Let's think of plan B. Either he has to engage constructively, at which point he could extract possibly really significant concessions or if not he has the power within his hands I've no doubt there's enough Conservatives to join him if he was to sort of uh, instruct Labour MPs to do this to call for a second referendum and to give the final say to the people of Britain he's not doing either which is not leadership and at least at least with Theresa May when she uh, when the Conservative Party realized that they couldn't topple her they didn't say the plan now is to change the leader they realized that option was gone yeah. so Corbyn needs to realize that the option of general election is gone it's got to be something else from his point of view and I think the other parties I think the SNP and the Lib Dems and the others they're not going to keep trooping through the lobbies for motions of no confidence that they know are not going to be won so that becomes pointless yeah. and it looks then like he's kind of rather than leading he's trying to find reasons not to lead and you see i, th I think you've got a situation in the, in the labor party the, pe the some of the people around corbyn the seamus the real hard left seamus milne and andrew murray Kerry murphy len mccluskey they are kind of second referendum over our dead bodies for kind of old ideological reasons to do with kind of you know assuming europe some kind of great but they're very important club. to him aren't they they are and then I think you've got people like John McDonnell and people in the Shadow Cabinet who are a bit more pragmatic and who are starting to worry, and I think rightly, that one of the reasons Labour is not ahead in the polls against the most useless, shambolic government that any of us have ever seen is not despite the position on Brexit. It might be because yeah. of it. Well, this is why I was saying earlier on, surely if you are a Labour supporter and a Labour member, you want to get a different leader who can lead you through this particular quagmire. Ross? Yeah, some thoughts off the back of that, Alistair, your analysis of what's going on at the top of the shadow cabinet is interesting because that is a real split that's developing. And I think at some point in the next few weeks, we're going to see a real fissure between uh, John McDonnell and Jeremy Corbyn publicly. There is privately amongst his teams already. Now, if you go to lobby briefing and hear Jeremy Corbyn's spokesperson uh, giving the lines, you do get the sense, not just in the words, but in the tone, that there is no way that the leader's office will shift on, on, a, on a second referendum. Uh, speaking to sources in the leader's office, uh, in private, they are dead set against it. I think is the, is the honest analysis. So uh, unless there is a remarkable uh, reversal uh, in Jeremy Corbyn's thinking, uh, it looks very unlikely that uh, that but, is going to be endorsed but, but by the leadership. But here's the other thing about this, is that, look, I used to get a lot of grief for being allegedly the power behind the throne. You used to give quite a bit out as well. Yeah, maybe. But, <laughs> but listen, but listen. I remember I was, Yeah, OK. <laughs> but I, I was not pursuing my own agenda. Right. I believed in what Tony Blair was trying to do with the Labour sure. Party. Right. It is not up to these... Milnes and Murrays the to decide types. what the Labour Party position is. Mm. So that's where the, we talk, we're talking a lot at the moment about MPs reasserting themselves. The Shadow Cabinet has to reassert itself for what they believe. And, you know, this idea, honestly, I think you guys aren't hard enough on this, this question about the way that the policy but is it because is Labour now represents so many different things? But the Labour Party is itself the, very split on the, all manner of different the, the things, members, including ideologically. But that's always been the case in any party, and the job of leadership is to is to kind of try to bring different sides together. And the thing about the the the, the, the membership 
Yes, you've got some Labour Party members who are, who are pro-Brexit, and you've got to respect that. But the membership is overwhelmingly in favour of a second referendum and of Labour camp committing to campaign for reform, yeah. for, tell, for, for Remain. I'll tell you what's frustrating looking at the parallel when um, Alistair was in all his glory with his charm and menace and equal measures, um, <laughs> tweaking from one to the other, speaking as a former poll corps at the receiving end. But in the days when um, Labour were very gung-ho about the war, the country needed an alternative and the Conservatives didn't provide it. And the parallel now is at a time when the country needs an alternative to a government that's trying to take us out of the European Union, the Labour Party is not providing it. So people are feeling politically homeless. And if Parliament, if the party system cannot provide that, then the only way you can do it is to go directly to the people and allow them to decide for themselves. But, but what about the forgotten people that we sometimes refer to? You know, those people who went to uh, into the polls that day in the referendum and said, we are being uh, somehow betrayed by our politicians, our political class. We want to get out of the European Union. We don't like the look of it. And now you're going to be betraying them again, effectively, you're by not, saying, well, what you voted for, we're going to forget that. Uh, we're going to do it again in the hopes that basically you'll get it wrong uh, and we'll win this time. No, but I, th I think... That's that what it feels like. It might. It feels like that to some. But look, are we seriously saying that it's like Tony Blair said on the radio this morning, we're not saying we're going to give this vote to a different group of people. We're saying you, the people, having given the government this instruction, now should have the right and, the yes, the responsibility to say whether this is still the course you want to go down. And I think in every other walk of life, the, the biggest decision in your life, you think about it. You reflect on it. You know, you're buying a house. You're getting married. You're a football manager paying £50 million for a player. If the medical shows that the guy's knee is really dodgy, you're going to think about yeah, not buying Yeah, but we haven't it. got a dodgy knee. We have got a dodgy How? knee. Who's, the, who's saying that? The dodgy you get a knee, second opinion, maybe. The dodgy, the dodgy knee, knee. The dodgy knee <laughs> is the mess that we're seeing unfold now. Well, yeah, but the mess is because nobody wants to agree on what we want to because do. Because It's they not can't. the actual doing of it. Once we no. do it, it might be a lot better no, than this mess. when you say when we do it, it has to become a treaty. She's done her best. She's done her best, and everybody accepts it's not good enough. And, and the cheerleaders for that original Brexit were in government when that Absolutely. deal was negotiated. Absolutely. So Boris, for better or worse, was Foreign Secretary. Dominic Raab, for better or worse, was mm. Brexit Secretary, as was David Davis, as were all those people. They couldn't they deliver They can't it. turn around and say, this is not what the people voted for, this is not what we called for in the referendum. They were there for two years. This is the deal that they, as Foreign Secretary and Brexit Secretary and further Brexit Secretary, negotiated. But you might as well go back to David Cameron and say, well, his idea to have a referendum in the first place was idiotic. Well, you can so, say that, but it doesn't get you very far. Well, it does, because, I mean... It he made you feel better for five well, seconds. Well, it does, slightly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was an absolutely ridiculous... Well, don't forget, this is a guy who thought he was going to unify the Tory party. That's why he did it. Exactly. You know? And now look where we are. But this is the thing. And, and you see, I think that just as... Funny if I've got a Gitto and I both write for GQ, and I've I've written a piece this month. How about, terribly about, cosmopolitan of you! It is very metropolitanly, and you know, <laughs> but you've got to just make a living somehow. <laughs> and so, but I've written about a big piece about Cameron, and Ca Cameron ever. Cameron is absolutely convinced that he had to have the referendum. But yeah. that is history. We are now at a point where the country is facing a real crisis, and I'll tell you what: I talked to a lot of people around the European Union. And around the world, we are considered at the moment a complete joke. I'm not surprised. Our politics used to be like the most respected yeah. in the world. Mother of all parliaments. All that stuff. Yeah. So we've got to... We've, there's no point 
whether it's Corbyn or it's May, we can't just keep digging into the same Well, position. how about we get some Somebody's help from our European partners? Why don't they help us out instead of sticking two fingers up to us every They're time not we sticking. go over listen, there? Listen, listen, I think this is the other thing that's a myth. The European Union has had a solid position, 27 countries, a negotiating position where the negotiating lines have never really moved because they've actually done it, I think, in a very, very grown-up way. So when you say, give us more... How many times do they have to be told you can't leave the European Union and maintain all the benefits of being a member? Well, you could, actually. If you negotiated it properly, we haven't got time to discuss that here. (laughs) You'll have to come back for part two uh, of the Alistair Campbell, Gitsu Harry and Mike Graham show. Uh, Guys, thank you very much indeed. Um, I know uh, you'll be uh, working away very hard to to keep yourselves in the style to which you've become accustomed. And uh, Ross Kemp's still here. He'll be talking to us some more. I want to take some more of your calls as well. 03444991000. This is Independent Republican Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 